Hi, I'm a helpful Southern California Honda person. And recently, we've been doing random acts of helpfulness, like getting a service dog for a child in need and buying science materials for a third grade class. And we can help you too with a great deal on an award-winning Honda, like the reliable and completely redesigned Accord, the 2018 North American Car of the Year. Click the dealer locator link to find a dealer near you and go to SoCalHondaDealers.com to suggest a random act of helpfulness for someone you know. Michelle Berard. I am your host, Michelle Berard, founder and CEO of Urban Book Editor LLC, and I am so, 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 so happy to share this hour with you where we examine all those places where spirit meets life and the joys and challenges that may bring. Now, those of you who have been listening for a while know that Somewhere in the Middle is intended to be a safe place where we can learn and grow together. We discuss a variety of topics ranging from love to politics to money to business and beyond, and that is because the human experience is wide and varied. And I know that you guys have a lot that you want to share with us as well, so please feel free to participate and engage. We'd love to have your questions. I've got the chat box open if you want to put something in the chat. And, of course, if you're on the line, we can unmute your line. We want to hear from you, so get your questions and comments ready because I will be taking calls and questions from our audience. Now, you guys know I like to start by thanking Ms. Beverly Black and Tribe Family Channel for helping me create this space for us. Tribe Family Channel is home to an assortment of thought-provoking shows exploring life, spirit, business, and culture, including The Woman at the Well, hosted by Ms. Beverly Black herself, and Somewhere in the Middle was born on Tribe Family Channel. We have grown onto our own platform, but we are ever grateful and loyal to our roots. And that is to paraphrase an African proverb, we are only here because we stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. I also want to give a shout out to my guest for the May 18th show, Mitchell Levy. You can connect with Mitchell on LinkedIn and his books are available on Amazon. You can also reach Mitchell at his website, ahathat.com. That's A-H-A-T-H-A-T.com. 
Now, if you miss that show, you want to make sure you listen to the replay. The reason is that Mitchell shared tons of valuable information about how you can become a thought leader in your community. You can get to that replay by visiting somewhere in the middle at bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash somewhere in the middle radio. And you can check out the on-demand shows. You can find our complete show archives, including the May 18th show, at bit.ly, again, B-I-T dot L-Y slash somewhere in the middle podcast. Now, I also want to give a shout out to Bruce George of the Genius is Common movement, which encourages all of us to embrace our inner genius and share it with the world. This is such an important message, guys. We need to share it with the youth, but it's not just for the youth. It's for us grown-up folks as well, because even we need to be reminded that the world needs our genius. And if you don't share your genius, you're just plain being selfish, because somewhere out there needs what you know. Learn more about the Genius is Common movement at www.geniusiscommon.com. Now, guys, I am really excited to introduce tonight's guests. I have two guests for us tonight. Um, I've got Daisy Brown and I've got Philip Polinsky, and they are hosts, co-hosts of Called to Serve. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about them And then we'll go ahead and get started talking with them to see all the wonderful things they have to share with us. So Daisy Brown is a native of Baltimore, where she continues to reside. She is the road manager for the Shy Lights, featuring Marshall Thompson, and has been a member of that organization for the past 46 years. Before her retirement, Daisy worked as a legal secretary for 40 years, and for the past six years, she has been a dedicated supporter of Miss Dreamcastle. She received an honorable discharge from the military in 1982, and in 2004, she became a lifetime member of the Associates of the Vietnam Veterans, as AVVA, and she joined TREA, T-R-E-A, the Enlisted Association, Chapter 9, in 2012, where she is also a life member, and she serves as secretary. Daisy is also the producer and co-host of Call to Serve and is co-producer of Soul School Music, both of which are on Blog Talk Radio. Ms. Brown is also an accomplished poetess and lyricist. Now, Philip Helinski, Philip J. Helinski, was born in Cleveland, Ohio. He is a military veteran who served 21 years in the Army from 1973 to 1994 when he retired as a Master Sergeant with the rank of E-8. During his time in the military, Philip served mainly in the United States. He also worked as a contractor in the Middle East. Philip is a member of several veterans' organizations, including the Enlisted Association, where he is currently the direct, a director on the TRIA natural, National Board of Directors, and he oversees an IT committee for that organization. Philip J. Halinski is married with four adult children, lives near Columbus, Ohio, and he, does, he resides with his beautiful wife, Judith. So I'd like to welcome Daisy Brown and Philip Polinsky to Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Berard. Thank you, Daisy, Philip, for coming on the show tonight. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thanks also. Yes. 
Phil well, guys, and I are, are, are excited about this because um, this is our first real interview as a team, and um, I'm looking forward to this. And thank you so much for inviting us. Well, I'm delighted to have you because um, I want to learn more about you guys as individuals, but also how you guys got together to um, work on the show and what is it that you all are trying to accomplish with uh, Called to Serve. And you may or may not already have heard, I only I like to start an interview with two questions. I have two questions I ask, and I like to see where things go from there. So if you guys are all set, I'm going to go ahead and ask my two questions, and I'm going to ask Miss Daisy to answer first, and then Mr. Philip, if you will answer after Daisy. Is that okay with you guys? That's fine. Oh yeah. I would like. All right. To, well, I would like to cheat though and copy off of him, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> no, he gets the copy off of you. <laughs> yes. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, Daisy, I'd like to yeah. ask, who are you, and how did you become who you are today? Who am I? I am a. 66-year-old divorced female who um, was born the second child of seven. Um, I have three surviving sisters and two surviving brothers. Um, I am a person who loves the Lord, first of all. And um, it's because of my faith and my belief and my upbringing that has me walking as straight a path as I possibly can. Um, I was um, very outgoing, but at the same time not, because I believe in helping people and working with people. And I've been put in the uh, position to just work with people and try to be supportive of those uh, in need. And I just feel that I'm a blessed person who has um, made a lot of accomplishments because uh, God has embraced me. And I'm just truly grateful for every day that I have here on earth. All right. Very cool. And how did you become this person, this outgoing person who believes in helping people, working with people, who's supportive of those in need? How did you become this person who you are? I believe a, a lot of it, um, I guess the way I was brought up, you know, we were always, well, I always had to give, 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 because like I said, I was the second of seven and I'm the oldest uh, female, so I had to do for my family, and in doing that, it just, I don't know, I always had a joy in knowing that I did something to help somebody, it's just been a joy for me, so um, it comes very easily, um, I guess a lot of it came from the way my mother raised us, um, uh, we were in church, we Spent a lot of time in the church. My mom was married to a pastor, so a lot of that um, rubbed off on us. And uh, I just think that 
the eagerness to be a Christian is is the main thing that would make me uh, want to help and be happy that I could help. Okay, I want to. That's bringing up some questions for me, and I am going to come. I'm going to hold those because I want. I want Phil to answer that same question, the same two questions, if you don't mind, Phil. It is your turn. Who are you, and how did you become who you are today? Well, you know, first of all, I'm glad uh, Daisy got to go first. No, I'm just, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, and I guess you could say that's part of my personality um, growing up with uh, – two brothers and we were constantly uh, um, jostling with each other about this and that and who could be the best, who could be the funniest and all that. So it kind of uh, uh, kept up on me as I grew up. But um, I uh, had always had an interest in the military, uh, especially right out of high school. And, um, I kept looking at it, kept looking at it, never made a a serious move until finally uh, something hit me over the head. Maybe it was the fact that it was just getting so hard to find a job or, you know, just not really doing much with my life. I decided to uh, uh, join the military, and I didn't want to join the Navy like my dad, so I went in the Army instead, and... um, it was a real wake-up call. Uh, those of you uh, in the military, you know, we always say we never forget our drill sergeant, and that is so true. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but we uh, we survive it, and we kind of move on. And I really had a um, a uh, need to try and excel because I would see, you know, friends and, and people. Um, get promoted, and so that kind of urged me on. Um, met my wife. We ended up having, you know, four kids, and um, I do want to put in a plug that uh, I married my youngest daughter off because we have three daughters, and, you know, Aww. you got to get them married them off. And uh, we got the last one done a couple years ago, and so I and I have accomplished my mission, one of my missions in life. So that's good. That's a good thing. But, uh, Very cool. Anyway, um, so uh, I um, continued even after I uh, was dis- discharged from the military in working with veterans groups, and um, I probably belong to, uh, I don't know, at least about 10 of them, and um, uh, and some that uh, would probably surprise people. But um, overall, I really kind of put most energy into uh, TRIA, the Enlisted Association, um, organization that really works hard to lobby for veterans in Congress. And uh, it's a good group of people. Uh, We started out as uh, first only retirees, 
and we saw that um, we need to include all enlisted. Now, for those that don't understand uh, what enlisted is, uh, we are the non-officers. So you have the enlisted association and the officer association. Um, actually, I'm an associate member of the officer association, but um, officers are commissioned, um, and they receive, you know, their leadership in a different way than the enlisted. Enlisted, you don't have to have necessarily have college, although I did complete um, a four-year degree at Akron University. So um, the uh, enlisted side, you know, we want to include all ranks and so they can enjoy the benefits of what we are involved in. And um, we have different chapters throughout the United States, including Puerto Rico. Um, we have uh, several in Ohio where I live. And we, uh, uh, the chapters usually meet once a month and try and connect with local communities. And then um, we uh, meet once a year on the national convention and myself moving up, always wanting to move up, I moved up uh, onto the board of directors where I help guide TRIA toward the future. So that's uh, me in a nutshell, I think. Very cool, very cool. So I'm curious then, and I'm going to jump back to Daisy real quick. Because mm -hmm. I'm here. Um, <laughs> you, mentioned, well, you mentioned a couple of things that made me, you know, like, take note like for example you talked about being reared um in a, a christian household your mom was married to a pastor and you have an eagerness to be christian how does that play into your life's journey how did that manifest itself well um i think that because you have a or should i say i have a desire to go to bed at night with a clear conscience and wake up in the morning feeling the same way. And you can only do that if you have your head on straight, have morals, and try to be a helper one to another. Um, my stepfather um, took my mother, who had seven children, by another man, <laughs> And he raised us. Um, he took good care of us, and we were um, we felt very blessed and fortunate to have been a part of his household and become a part of his family. My mother was a very passive woman who loved her family, and she was very quiet, but a very beautiful lady. And she um, had a she had the kind of glow that, or should I say countenance, that um, spread around, and you, you, just, you just loved her. And I always said I wanted to be like my mother. So, therefore, I tried as much as I could to follow in her footsteps as far as her mannerism and the fact that... Um, her personality, a lot of her traits, um, 
I think I may have inherited as well. Um, It's been easy because if you try to become a person who's unselfish, that's the main thing, I believe. When you're not selfish, you can do these things and you can become a part of other people's lives in a good in a good way, and that's been what I've always tried to do. I just like to help people. I want to be able to say that um, my motto is, if I can't help you, I won't hurt you. You know, it's just too easy to walk mm. away and do something different. So I'm not here. I'm here to help because that's what God expects from us. Very cool. So let me ask you, you said you were the second of seven children. Yes. That's a lot of responsibility, huh? I mean, that kind of automatically gives you a lot of responsibility over a lot of other young people. What was that like growing in a family, growing up in a family that big? It was rough. (laughs) My uh, mother had my, well, first of all, my, my parents were married 10 years before the first child was born. And uh, the doctor Uh told her she'd never have children, okay? So this was Uh a a trip, you know. My mother and father were ballroom dancers, and they loved to party and everything. And um, then when um, she started having the children, my brother was two years older than me, and then I had a sister who came a year later, and a brother that came a year later, and another brother that came a year later, and a sister that came a year later. And then she waited five years before the baby was born after the sixth child. So that made me become the little mother. When my mom was at work, I was cooking dinner at, at age 10, you know, with with supervision, but I was doing the cooking my mother was pregnant when I was 10 years old, so I was doing the grocery shopping with my grandmother's assistants. Um, we just had to roll about sleeves and be little women in the house, you know, and that's what we did. So we learned a lot, too. We, I grew up in a rural um, area of Anne Arundel County. We had a little farm, not farm, but a large garden. We grew out a lot of our own vegetables. We had fruit trees. We canned uh, the fruits and the vegetables and things like that. So I wasn't from a background where we um, relied on frozen foods and canned foods. You know, our foods were fresh, and we learned a lot of um, housekeeping and so forth. So it was really good. I mean, it, it was stressful but because I I never learned how to play jacks until I was like 18 years old. <laughs> never had Wow. <laughs> but um it was it was fun and I love my sisters and brothers. So it was it was really a treat to say that I was halfway responsible, not halfway, but somewhat responsible in their upbringing. And uh I guess that is one of the reasons why I had this feeling of wanting to give because I've been doing it for so long and it comes so easily. Well, you mentioned something else that's actually kind of interesting to me is the difference in the way that um, we eat now 
mm-hmm. <laughs> versus I think, uh, I mean, even I, growing up in uh, New Orleans like I did, I grew up in a household where we cook. So that's what I do. Mm-hmm. I cook for my for my kids, uh-huh. you know, that, and that was really important, I think, to keeping them healthy. And how do you think that that, you know, influences you guys, you know, in terms of, do you think you guys were healthier? Was it just so much more hard work to have to do all of that stuff? Or are you feeling kind of like, no, the the modern conveniences would have been much better for us to have on a certain level? No, I don't resent it at all. I'm really grateful that I had that experience. Um, you know, we actually put the seeds in the ground and watched it grow. And uh, to go down out and pick it and pull it and wash it and prepare it, you know. I mean, I wouldn't give that up for anything, you know. That just the fact of seeing something go from a seed uh, uh, up to to where it's actually on the table, it's 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 a treat, you know. <laughs> and so many people have no clue as to what that's what that's like, you know. It's in a can, it's in a box, it's in a bag or something, and. I don't know. I just feel like like it was a blessing. It was a little harder. It was a lot harder work, you know. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't trade it. Well, I believe that we should we should try and get back to that if we can. Um, of course, you're talking to somebody who has so far has shown not to have a green thumb at all. So <laughs> it's on my list of things to do to learn how to garden one of these days. <laughs> Well, Miracle Grow is good. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if if I can make that work for me because that's been a challenge even then. Mm-hmm. So, guys, just so you know, you're listening to um, Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Berard, and I have my two guests tonight, Daisy Brown, Phil Holinsky, and I want to turn to Phil now um, because, Phil, you said a couple of things when you talked about who you are that made me – smile and what the first one was about growing up with two brothers and you guys constantly jostling with each other and kind of competing to be funnier or whatnot so I didn't grow up with any brothers so tell me what what do you think you got out of that relationship growing up with those with your brothers uh to see who could survive you know because we (laughs) we got into some good knockdown drag outs uh you know, when you've got three competitive brothers, um, you, uh, yeah, you got to look at survival of the fittest. I was the oldest, so I would win all the arguments, except one time. I mean, not one time, but except with one person. I also had a sister. And yeah. <laughs> we, we, we don't do any, you don't do any uh, if you want to stay alive. So um, <laughs> we... We left her alone, except for at dinner time. She always had a uh, fight with three brothers to eat, and so she never gained much weight. Um, so, um, so now that we're older, uh, we have to kind of atone for our sins of our youth, and we have to call her on her birthday and tell her what a special sister she was and still is. And she has she's great. And, you know, you were talk when you were talking to Daisy. It kind of reminded me too of my sister because you know um, her name's Linda, and she's 
very very similar just really uh interested in in plants growing and all that kind of stuff farmers markets she loves that she also loves bingo too so i don't know if you hold that against her <laughs> but, uh, but uh, no she you know uh you know, things that daisy was saying about growing up and cooking and taking care you know, you would think that older brothers, because um, my sister had two, you'd think that she, uh, we'd take care of her, but she was always the one kind of running stuff, cooking things, um, making dollars stretch, uh, uh, you know, keeping three hungry brothers fed while both parents were working. So it was. Now, we didn't make it all that easy for her when we were young, so that's why we uh, we have to uh, pay for it in the end. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Daisy, but Daisy is, is truly a special person, too, and I think that's kind of why we connect so well, too, is because you, of that um, family kind of importance that we place and you know uh, we we call each other all the time not because we uh have to because she is on my IT committee but <laughs> but because also we enjoy you know talking to each other about what's going on what in our lives and what's going on with our uh family what's going on with Tria and um you know we uh get to see each other at the convention and which will be this September and it's a, a really good time to to reconnect and and we'll spend a little bit of time yakking with each other to to kind of get caught up but um you know we'll just out of the blue we'll call each other and just just talk or you know try and get some ideas and uh move forward as you heard, you know, from the beginning, um, Daisy has a lot of experience, and um, and I, I just am just tickled pink that I get to utilize that kind of experience <laughs> for myself. And, uh, you know, it's really helped me uh, make a successful committee, which in turn helps us make a, a better veterans organization. Um, so, uh, did you ask me a question? I think I started reading <laughs> well, That's fine, but that leads right into my next question, because you mentioned that you've always had an interest in the military, um, but initially you didn't, initially you didn't sign up. So what, you know, why'd you make that decision to sign up finally? If you can elaborate on that. And then why did you mention that you never forget your your drill sergeant. Um, I I kind of hemmed and hawed about the military because um, I you know people would tell me, hey, you know, you could get, uh, try over here and you'll get a good job, and that didn't work out. And then uh, try and get in at one of the uh, automobile plants, and that'll be. Uh, a, great, great long job, and that didn't happen. 
you know, as you mentioned, I joined in 1973, and the economy was really downhill at that point. A lot of different problems were going on um, as far as the country economically. And um, we were the baby boomer generation, so there were a lot of us coming out of high school every year looking for jobs, so it was real competitive. Finally, I just thought, you know, I've been thinking about it. I really should go in and talk to the person, talk to the people there. Well, as Daisy could probably tell you, recruiters are very persuasive. They they know, you know, how to reach you, I guess you could say. They know how to to, uh, uh, get an interest get you, you know, find out your interests. And um, the uh, uh, important thing, which I take to this day, is, you know, people talk about uh, recruiters getting people in into the military just to get them in. And um, when young people come by and talk to me about, you know, they say I'm thinking about joining, the one piece of advice I always give them is make sure you get into what you want because mm-hmm. they can get you in in anything right away. But you might not be happy. But if you get into what you want, you got a pretty good chance of being successful. Um, and as far as the thing about drill sergeants, uh <laughs> You know, you're going into a real different life, Michelle, when you join the military. It's not like uh, a job or a career where you have a lot of choices. You do a lot of what they tell you to do when they tell you to do it. And you don't have time to think or a lot of things. And it's it's tough. There's, there's no doubt about it. I'm not going to say it was an easy time. But... Uh, what your drill sergeant will do is, you know, that's the person that's going to see you up in the morning and throw, throw you in your uh, bunk at night, and they're going to be uh, a big part of your learning experience, and you grow. You learn your trade. You learn your skills. You learn how to do things successfully that you thought you could never do. Like, for example, um, I had to go to the rifle range to um, qualify with my uh, M16. I'd never fired a weapon before, and I didn't do very well at first. But the drill sergeant just kept after you, after you, uh, refining your your what you're doing wrong individually, straighten you out. And then I, uh, after that, I did pretty good and I passed. And I was so pleased with myself. I mean, you know, you, you think about the, the gun violence today and, you know, it's it's so weird to say, you know, I was so proud of myself that I could successfully fire a weapon at a target, but it's not the the um, action of the shooting. It's the accomplishment, knowing that hey, 
you've got a, you know, you've developed a skill that you can uh, move forward on and build other skills, not just firing a weapon, but maybe first aid, maybe physical training, uh, getting yourself, you know, in shape. Uh, All these things kind of follow because you're able to accomplish um, these things and those are those stick with you, and then you think about doing that in other areas, and then you just kind of move forward, and then you don't forget that person. That that person's kind of stuck in your mind because they helped you. That person helped you through a lot of these difficulties, and um, you know, increase your your knowledge, your your self uh, self worth, and that had a big effect on me, and that's why I'll, I'll never forget uh, Sergeant Frazier. He was uh, an important person to me in my life. I know uh, what you mean. Thank <laughs> you. So, Daisy, you remember your your drill sergeant also? Oh, yes. We called her. She, she likes for us to call her Lola Falana. <laughs> and she was... She was a beautiful, beautiful black um, uh, uh, um, lady, and uh, her thing was um, when it was time to break down our rifle and put it back together, you had to break it down, put it back together, and then stand up with it and hold it up in the air and say, what Lola wants, Lola gets. <laughs> That's wonderful. So, yeah, she, she was she was she was an awesome lady. Yeah, he's right. You don't forget them because they're the the first thing you see and the last as your training is concerned. And uh, I uh, really learned a lot from her. Uh, she had a beautiful personality. And uh, um, I, yes, I, I remember her. <laughs> well, one yes. of the things that I'm hearing from both of you that's kind of cool is that there's a sense of accomplishment that you get, you know, after going through these exercises and, and, and working with these drill sergeants. Would you say that that's one of the biggest things that you took away from the military was your ability to to accomplish a particular task if you set your mind to it? What is it that you think the military particularly gave you? Well, no, I don't think that that was it for me because um, I went in, my MOS was, I went in as a, as a uh, into the uh, accounting office. I was doing payroll, and then I, I um, transferred my MOS, and I became a chaplain's assistant, so I worked closely with the, the, the preacher, uh, the chaplain of the, um, of my, um, of my unit. And, um, that was uh, awesome for me because, you know, we, I was responsible for scripture reading and selecting the hymns and things like that. So I, I loved every moment of it, but the, Drill sergeant, I think more, they were more of a disciplinarian and they, um, I think that that helped a lot, too, because you certainly learn discipline when you're in the military. For instance, Phil was saying that you, they tell you what to do, when to do, and how to do it, and that's what they expect. So 
um, you you get accustomed to doing what you're told to do when you're told to do it. I do find that back in the time when I was in the service, so they were not very kind to women, and it was kind of hard to get a promotion. Um, so you didn't see ladies climbing the ladder that often, you know. Mm. Uh, it was a rough thing for us, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. And uh, I think one of my highlights, though, was when I got my sharpshooter's um, um, medal for the M16. <laughs> what? That's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, Michelle, can I interject something quickly? Definitely. Yeah, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, too. Well, what I wanted to say was um, um, there was definitely a difference between um, back then in the 70s and probably the 80s um, that uh, was difficult, a lot more difficult for women because I know uh, my wife, when she was out of high school, she looked into uh, joining the military and uh, she was discouraged by her uh, dad and her uncle both uh, joining, and so she never did. And I mean, just she'll say she doesn't regret it because she got into education and has been with that how many years? I don't know, 40 <laughs> some years. I got to try and do some math here, but you know, she started out as a substitute teacher, went to teacher, um, went to uh, a uh, administrator, um, a uh, assistant principal, uh, uh, working on an online school. She's, you know, really moved up the ladder, and she had a lot of drive and everything. But, um, you know, I could kind of see it in her mm, uh, eyes, or uh, I guess you could say that uh, she might have been successful at it and would have liked to try it if she had been given the chance. But as I said, it was it was very difficult for women back then, not like it mm-hmm. is today. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, true. So I know there have been a, a lot of great strides in that area, but you know, they say there's still a lot of challenges for women in particular, but what do you think about just overall, what does, what does the military have to offer to our young people now that may be different from, you know, when you guys were, were in the military, when you were active? Well, I think, you know, it's a lot more um, advanced now. There, there are a lot more opportunities, even as far as your MOS is concerned, which is your um, the, the, uh, the 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 job description that you have. Um, you, you know, there are things. For instance, everything is so much more modern now, and it's easier to adapt. The benefits coming out are are a lot better than they were back then. Um, and it's, it's, it's just a prestigious thing for me, I believe. I feel really good, um, when during the, um, veteran holidays when the young people will, uh, and the elderly people will thank you for your service. You know, 
And mm-hmm. that, going back, um, that is one of the reasons why I love the name of our show called To Serve, and that we thank Beverly Black for coming up with because she and I um, had been talking and talking, and somehow I mentioned being in the service, and she says, oh, my God, you're a veteran? And I said, yes. And she said, I've been looking for somebody to host my show, to host with me, she said. And I said, oh, really? (laughs) So we're supposed to be doing this together. And, of course, uh, she later on says to me, right before we got ready to launch the show, uh, you know, I think I don't need to be a part of this. Um, So you can either (laughs) do it by yourself or get a a, uh, co-host because – I've never been in the service, you know, she says, and I think you can do it. So I talked to Phil, who is the director of the committee that I belong to in TRIA, and um, I was telling him I needed a guest and a host. Well, Phil says to me, well, I will come on as your guest, and we'll talk about the hosting later. So I said, okay. So we're, we did our first show, and he was a great, great, great guest. And that Sunday night we did the show, that Monday he called me and says, so what do you think we're going to discuss on the next month? And I said, oh, you're going to co host with me? And he yeah. said, yeah. <laughs> That's true. I was <laughs> So I was like, oh, wow, I'm so happy. I'm so happy, you know. And after uh, we decided that we would um, be, be co-hosting the show, I called Beverly and I said to her, guess what, Phil's going to co-host with me. And, uh, you know, so it's been like that ever since. And that is how Call Serve came about. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. That's awesome. So what is it that you all, tell 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 the audience, um, Phil, what is it that you all discuss on the show? What kinds of things you all do? Um, yeah, that's a, a great question um, because we want to try and be professional, but at the same time, you know, talk about uh, things that uh, are important on a personal level. So you kind of got to balance that out. And I've kind of learned that too. And um, it's, it's been going along pretty well. Um, Daisy did yeah, get the hook in me because she <laughs> figures, you know, this guy likes to hear himself talk. So I've got a great video <laughs> for that. But, uh, but uh Generally, the format is we bring on a guest or two guests uh, on occasion. I like one guest, but sometimes, you know, you get uh, two good people talking, and, you know, then you don't have uh, any kind of, uh, uh, you know, lapses or anything like that. But, um, well, well, once we uh, get the intros out of the way, we will um, have the guest uh, talk about their background, and if they're associated with our organization, TRIA, they'll talk about that or some other affiliation that they're uh, um, 
uh, you know, connected with. Uh, we had a member of uh, the Buffalo Soldiers group on with us. Very interesting. Um, uh, a writer had a book out talking about that. And uh, Daisy can ex- elaborate a, a little more on that. Yes, we had right. uh, Dr. Slaughter who um, uh, had um, inhabitant, um, and they were telling you how they have have um, put together a, an organization that will help veterans build their homes from the ground with no oh, money wow. down and thirty year uh, mortgage. Um, and uh, it's just an awesome um, uh, situation that they've put together in Pittsburgh, and he was willing to have anyone who was interested to contact him so that they could start it in their hometown um, for a legislature. And um, last week we had uh, Arthur Cooper, who was a past president, um, national president of TRIA, and he is also serving as the chairperson for the Senior Citizens League, which is an organization set aside for uh, the elderly to keep uh, keep them informed. And they also lobby um, on Capitol Hill, as does TRIA. So um, we try to keep somebody in there that can bring some information. And then Phil does a lot of research and uh, keeps uh, the audience updated on changes that are happening that will affect benefits, pensions, and so forth. So it's really a a platform wherein the veteran and or their family, because you don't have to be a a veteran. I mean, call to serve, anybody's serving, you know, um, and Uh hopefully we may even expand in our second season, we just completed the first season Sunday night, as a matter of fact. And uh, we may even branch out to include others who are serving, you know, not necessarily military, but so far that's what we've been dealing with. And uh, I just want to say that I I, I love my co-host uh, dearly, and he's been an <laughs> inspiration and a big help to me. And, uh, of course, kudos to Beverly for coming up with this concept. And uh, God has been blessing us with some uh, great shows, and I'm just grateful to be a part of it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Phil, now it's your turn. (laughs) So, I mean, so how do you guys see the show evolving over time? You said that maybe um, other types of people who serve in – Outside of the military, is that what you mean? Yeah, well, I, I can see that happening, you know, because, uh, you know, if you think about it, some people have started in the military and have branched off into um, p- politics um, of different uh, arenas, um, authors, they're writing books, they're doing all kinds of things. Some of them are musicians. Um, we had um, uh, some I don't know if um, you are aware, but I also uh, work with, um, um, I'm the co-producer for uh, Soul School Music, which is also under Tribe Family Channel, and we've had some of the um, 
musicians on, singers who are former uh, veterans, who are veterans. And, uh, you know, so it, it's, it encompasses a lot. And I just—it's just a great, great opportunity for people who have served in the military. But once again, uh, I don't think that we—we we may not just stick with the veteran, but that will be the the um, nucleus, I believe. Hmm. You know, uh huh. What do so you think? So you mentioned Bill? also. Mm-hmm. So Phil, I was going to ask you. You guys mentioned also the families of of the military folks are serving as well. And what in what sense do you can are they considered to be serving? Well, we get a lot of support, you know, because even probably like yourself, um, you, you either have somebody you know or married to somebody or whatever uh, that served in the military. And one of the things I like to talk when I get out and talk to people is I like to thank the spouses of Mm -hmm. the veterans because, hey, they got to put up with a lot too. And Mm -hmm. if you don't believe me, just ask my wife. She'll tell you. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they... They they work hard too. They got to keep the household going, the family going, and uh, you know a lot of things going on. So I like to, you know, make sure that they get recognized too. And you know, some of them have put together some great programs. Um, the uh, um, unfortunately, just the uh, uh, Gold Star Mothers. And Gold Star Wives, I got a chance to go to Capitol Hill and listen to one of the uh, Gold Star Wives um, talk about some of the problems that they have to encounter. And that kind of brings up uh, another venue is our legislators. It would be great to have um, maybe some of our local uh, legislators on, especially those that support the military, but at least, you know, someone that is active in the neighborhoods and and things like that. That would be um, an outreach that's very important to us. We have fewer and fewer uh, members of Congress that are uh, with a military background. So, you know, we need to cultivate some relationships, and that might be another avenue we might look at. That's true. And then, too, a lot of your VSOPs, which is your veteran service organizations, uh, they have auxiliaries um, as well as the actual members who are are the spouses or family members or close friends of of the uh, veterans who have their own little um, projects that they do to contribute uh, for the well-being of the organization. So um, we have to salute the auxiliaries that work with these organizations as well. Very cool. Well, what do you think that um, what do you think that those of us who are not directly affiliated with the military 
can do to be supportive of active military families? Oh, that's a great question. Um, hmm. uh, well, I think that, to be honest with you, I don't know of anyone who really could say that they're not affected by the veteran in some way or the other. For instance, my father was a World War II veteran. My play dad was a World War II veteran. And two of my best friends were World World War II veterans, um, older guys that were uh, part of the um, family and, you know, in my, in my growing up. Um, and, of course, some of their, their trainings trickle down into the family, um, even though you may not. Um, I, I see children who play saluting and things like that. So, I, you know, it, it's something that I think affects everyone in some ways, sometimes small, sometimes enormous, because some people will run from the military because of experiences that happen to a family member. And then you've got family members who it, it becomes a tradition, you know, granddad, my dad, and and generations to come. So um, I think what we, the the main thing is to just be supportive, you know, when it's time to have someone um, become involved in the situation that, that encompasses a military background, to just be supportive of that person. I think that goes a lot further than anything. And, of course, because when you've got somebody who's supporting you, you, you need that boost. You need that push. You know, a lot of my friends used to tell me that they thought I was spoiled and the only child, and I would look at them and laugh, you know, because it's <laughs> hilarious to me. I, I couldn't believe that somebody thought I was spoiled, you know, because I was always out there doing whatever I could do. And when you're spoiled, you're usually, like, selfish and sitting back here waiting for people to do for you, you know. And that's never mm-hmm. been me. So um, it's it's interesting how people, what concept they have of you and, and the way you react to certain things. But, Phil, you might be able to answer that question better than I did. So you take it. <laughs> well, um, I don't know. No, that was, that was really good. I uh, wanted, I would add that, um, you know, uh, uh, we talk about a lot about the military and uh, we usually think of active duty. Of course, there's the uh, reserves and National Guard too. But I think the, um, the problem sometimes becomes when the veterans are forgotten and uh, people just kind of think of military as active duty mm-hmm. and, and National Guard. But, it, you know, the, the government makes a lot of promises to the military veterans to tell them, what you know, we're going to do this for you or that for you or whatever the case may be. And it doesn't always happen because... Many times that when it comes to cutting things, that's where they go first is they go to the veterans, the veterans yeah. program. Mm-hmm. 
And I just, you know, want to get the word out or have people understand that, you know, there are uh, veterans who are getting uh, benefits, not because, you know, they're entitled, but because they they earned them. They, they did their time, they did their service, and they uh, deserve, you know, what what is owed to them. And I hope that people do not feel a grudge against uh, veterans because of that. And I would like to, you know, have a platform to talk to people who may feel that way, who may feel that, you know, veterans are getting uh, – veterans' benefits are too high or whatever, I would like to give them, you know, personal uh, information on that. Um, And not only that, but, you know, the VAs, we've had a lot of problems over the years with the VA facilities. Uh, Some people have had uh, great experiences. Some people have had horrible experiences uh, with the VA. And... Mm -hmm. We've got to also help our fellow veterans who cannot help themselves. There are so many programs available to veterans and their spouses, even after they pass away, that they are not aware of. And you'll hear, you know, you get you talk to spouses and, and they'll say, well, um, I didn't know that. I didn't know I could get that. Uh, for my, you know, veteran who passed on or who's injured or who's had long-suffering illnesses from when that person served is in a combat zone or things like that. So there's a lot of education that needs to be done to our fellow veterans and to our civilian population and to our uh, government uh, as well. I'd like that, Phil, but I, I think also, um, and in addition, uh, when you say what can people do, you can visit. You can visit these people who are in the hospital, uh, who who are in need. Uh, you can make it a, 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 um, a habit of trying to uh, take care of them, look out for them for Christmas and Thanksgiving with baskets and things like that, or uh, just a visit sometimes. Just go and read a book to them or go and play some cards or uh, checkers or whatever. Just go and, 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 and say hello. Uh, I, I work with um, the Shy Lights as well, and we do a lot of military uh, VA hospitals when we're out touring and We'll actually go into um, into the hospitals and visit with the with um, a lot of the patients there, and you'd be surprised at how how happy they are when you walk in there. We had a guy um, down in Alabama. I'll never forget it. We walked in there, and he was in the bed, and they said he hadn't sat up in in weeks. And when they walked in and they told him, said, guess who's here? And they and they told him the shy lights were there. Man sat up and he talked us to death. 
We had to actually back him to, to lie back down so we could believe. <laughs> so <laughs> you just be surprised at, at the um, joy that, you know, a visit can do, you know. So I think that uh, that's it. Okay, very cool. Thank you. Thank you for those recommendations. So, guys, we have um, hit the top of the hour, and I like to be respectful of of people's time, so we're going to be wrapping up. But what do you guys have going on that you want our listeners to know about? Well, um, we're working on, well, we're getting ready to have our convention in September. That's going to be in Fort Walton Beach, uh, Florida. We meet every September um, for the convention, and um, our officers are elected, as a matter of fact. Prayerfully, my co-host will be elected president this year. (laughs) Wow. Yes, yes, yes. I'm praying that that will... will will work out for him because he is is he is a candidate for president this year. Um we do um the chapters do a lot of um local things, you know, like he said, we're throughout the United States including Puerto Rico. So we're constantly doing fundraisers, things to help the in the uh community. And um we're looking forward to our second season which will begin to set the last Sunday in September. So we're on break on June, July, and August going in September. Very cool. Philip, anything you want to add to that? uh, Not much. I mean, uh, uh, Daisy kind of uh, uh, summed it all up very well. So, uh, you know, that's that's the beauty. When I start getting tired of talking, then she can start you know, telling people what they need to do. <laughs> oh, very boy, cool! He is so funny. <laughs> I wouldn't try cool. anything. <laughs> well, y'all oh, make an excellent team. Y'all make an kind of tag so teaming off of each other. <laughs> yeah, and it's been uh, like that from day one. For... It's been like yeah. that for from the time we we first started communicating. Um, I was on another committee. I mean, I was on the same committee, and when the director left that position, um, and Phil took it over, he walked up to me and said, I heard you were on the committee. Would you like to stay on there and work with me? I said, sure. And it's been, that's that's the way it's been from that time. Very cool. Mm-hmm. I, well, I Daisy, Philip, also... yes, sir? I just wanted to thank you for having us on, and we really appreciate your interest in us. It's for us to get our uh, message out and get people to uh, hear us, uh, whether they like it or not. <laughs> hopefully they do. <laughs> yes, hopefully they do. So thank you very much. Yes, thank you well, so much. Guys, I want to thank you for being on the show with me, Somewhere in the Middle, with Michelle Berard. Guys, that is our show this week. So um, you guys can reach out to me online at urbanbookeditor.com or on Facebook and Instagram as Urban Book Editor. 
you guys can send me a note. I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to send in some topics you'd like us to cover on the show. And again, I want to give a big, big, big shout out to Beverly Black, Tribe Family yeah. Channel, and all the members of Tribe Family Channel, including Call to Serve. And it is our pleasure, it is our pleasure to be associated with her and that great family of programs. Make sure you guys tune into the show on June 15th when my guest will be Dr. Kiva Davis. You will find us every other Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Central, and 8 p.m. Eastern at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash somewhere in the middle radio. You can also find us at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash somewhere in the middle podcast. Thank you so so much. Let's continue the conversation. You guys, be good. Stay mindful. Remain prayerful. Peace and blessings, y'all. Peace and blessings. Thank you. I'm a helpful Southern California Honda person, and recently we've been doing random acts of helpfulness, like getting a service dog for a child in need and buying science materials for a third grade class. And we can help you too with a great deal on an award-winning Honda, like the reliable and completely redesigned Accord, the 2018 North American Car of the Year. Click the dealer locator link to find a dealer near you and go to SoCalHondaDealers.com to suggest a random act of helpfulness for someone you know. Hi, I'm a helpful Southern California Honda person, and recently we've been doing random acts of helpfulness, like getting a service dog for a child in need and buying science materials for a third grade class. And we can help you too with a great deal on an award-winning Honda, like the reliable and completely redesigned Accord, the 2018 North American Car of the Year. Click the dealer locator link to find a dealer near you and go to SoCalHondaDealers.com to suggest a random act of helpfulness for someone you know.